Welcome to the mikvah.org podcast. The mikvah organization has been dedicated to the education and resources for Jewish family life since 1975-5735. You can support our vital work at mikvah.org forward slash donate. Thank you for your support and enjoy today's recording. Thank you for being an active member of the mikvah.org community, bringing our podcast into the top 1% of all religious and spirituality podcasts being shared globally. In order to continue our vital work and continue with more podcast episodes, we invite you to partner with us. Please consider sponsoring an episode in memory of a loved one or an honor or schuss of someone special, perhaps a birthday, a celebration, a yardside dedication. There are so many reasons why dedicating a podcast episode on mikvah.org would be a tremendous merit for your loved one. Please reach out for donation opportunities to podcast at mikvah.org. I thank you in advance for your consideration and helping to continue the mikvah.org podcast grow. Good evening, everybody. Welcome. We are live. On behalf of mikvah.org and MASK, I want to thank you, everyone, for joining us tonight. To all those who are live, to all those who are listening to the podcast, thank you for listening in. I'm sure you'll benefit from this session. I want to start off this evening just wishing for Shalema to Chava Gutta Chasya, if you can um, have her in mind in all your prayers. Okay, so I'm going to introduce to you Mrs. Rachama Klatman. She is the founder of MASK. And um, she will speak to us for a few minutes about what she does, about this amazing organization that she breathes, <laughs> she sleeps, she eats, <laughs> everything about her is masked for the past 25 years. She is devoted and um, um, yeah, hear from her. I'm gonna start off hearing from her first. Well, thank you very much. I wanna thank mikvah.org for the collaboration. It's really an honor to do these programs together. Uh, just to give you a little idea about MASK, MASK is Mothers and Fathers Alliance Saving Kids. And we are a referral organization. We are in our fifth year. Over 119,000 families have attended our program. And uh, we refer to therapists, inpatient, outpatient programs. We have an after-school program in Grand Heights, starting one now in Flatbush at, for the Chabad community there. We are in Flatbush as well. I have a radio show called Family Matters. We on Thursday night on 620 AM radio dial, talklinecommunications.com. All our previous shows are on masscare.org's website. Uh, again, thank you. And tonight, memory of Ita Basanovron. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mrs. Glatton, for um giving us the speakers and collaborating with us and um, arranging this three-part series on Shalom Bias. 
<clears throat> so next, I want to introduce to you our presenter for tonight, Dr. Benjamin Tepfer. He's the founding director of Arbor Intensives, a 90-day integrative intensive outpatient program in Brooklyn, New York, which specializes in cutting-edge treatment for trauma, behavioral health, and emotional wellness. He also serves as a supervisor for the International Institute for Trauma and Addiction Professionals, while maintaining a private practice in Cedarhurst, Brooklyn, and Lakewood. So without further ado, Dr. Tepfer. Actually, I was gonna mention if anyone has any questions, we will address them at the end. You can put them in the chat, um, only the host will see it. And, um, Thank you, thank you. Please um, enjoy. Okay, good evening. Thank you, Nechama, and thank you, Ruchama. Um, it's such an honor to be here with all of you. Um, welcome those that are here live with us and um, those that will be listening uh, afterwards to the recording. Um, the topic tonight can't be more timely. Um, technology and the home. On one hand, we all feel we are so able to be connected, available, in touch with one another more than, more than we've ever been able to. Um, we're able to do an evening like tonight. We're able to all be in our homes and somehow feel connected to, um, to one another. Uh, on the other hand, ironically, we are also lonelier, more disconnected and more out of real touch with one another. Is there a back uh, loop or someone that has to mute themselves? Does everyone hear me clearly? Pretty good. Okay. I don't good. think I'm hearing noise from other people. Okay, good, good. I just wanted okay. to make sure yes. it's clear. You want to just um, be a little louder or move a little closer. Okay. Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure, good. So, Thank you. um, and you'll let me know if it's, if it's clearer. So ironically, after being so connected and so um, available with one another, what the research shows is the last 10 years um, or so, individuals, couples, husbands and wives have felt more disconnected from one another than ever before. And the question is, if we're so in touch, if we have so much communication, so much technology to reach one another, why? Why are we walking around with this feeling that we're more distant than one another than ever before? Um, 2010 and 11 is really when smartphones and, and technology sort of hit this mass um, availability. And from that point on, ironically, like I was saying, it's our disconnect started to be the, the, the prevalent feeling. And tonight is not about um, this anti-technology talk, but it's about appreciating and understanding the impact on each and every one of us in some obvious but more subtle ways, and then what that means for us practically. What do we do with that um, knowledge? What do we do with that realization? You know, the, sometimes we all have the feeling you've been to uh, a noisy party with a lot of people and a lot of noise, maybe music, and you're, sitting, you're seeing a lot of people, but you happen not to know anyone at that wedding or at that party. So you're, you're in the midst of a lot of people, 
but there's a certain a profound sense inside of disconnect and loneliness. And in a certain way, I think that that picture um, epitomizes so many people and a feeling that they have in this generation. We're on many WhatsApp groups, um, Instagram followers, um, and the likes, but there's a sense I'm with a lot of people, but there, there's a feeling that I'm not really and authentically and deeply feeling understood, seen, heard, connected to other people. And that's happening not just outside, that's also happening, sadly, in many of our relationships and in many of our marriages. There was a, a story, Churchill in 1921 visited the, uh, then it was Palestine, and it was a non-existent country. It wasn't Israel yet. And the mayor of Tel Aviv wanted to uh, receive this dignitary who was coming from, uh, at that point, you know, Britain, Great Britain. Um, and um, they were uh, uh, one of the colonies of Great Britain. We have to receive him with, with honor and with um, uh, the proper setting. There were barely any trees there um, in Tel Aviv. And famously, the mayor of Tel Aviv, what he did was is he imported trees that were not from there literally the week before. And he put them in these large flower pots to make believe that you know they had an impressive boulevard with trees. And Churchill went down that boulevard, wow, and he saw there were these impressive palm trees on the right and palm trees on the left. And he walked up to a platform, to a stage, and he was about to speak. And like Israeli kids do, they all wanted to have a good view. And many of them started to climb up on these trees. And one by one, as the kids climbed on them, they were toppling to the right and to the left because they couldn't hold the weight of the kids and they weren't really rooted in the ground. And the mayor was humiliated, was embarrassed. Oh my God, this is going on. Everything is falling. And what is the what is the great uh, you know uh, emissary from Great Britain, Sir Winston Churchill? What does he think about us? And Churchill leaned over to the mayor, and he said, "When you plant, you have to plant with deep roots." And then he went on to speak. And there's so much communication and so much connection, but so much of it is is really what we call superficial and skin deep versus having that ability to be present, to listen, to hear, to see the person that we're actually with. And in this talk, it's going to be the person that we're married to, where the roots are not just looking impressive for everyone else, you know, like a tree that has no roots. But to be able to leave tonight more aware of how, how, how we sometimes miss deepening the, the connection to the people that are closest to us. And um, instead, we go to that more surface, um, noisy crowd that we were talking about before with a lot of people, but no one really hearing and no one really seeing us. So I want to talk about four areas right away, just in our relationships, just to become aware of um, right away. We'll go through each of them. Um, briefly to appreciate and to understand um, the impact. Sometimes it's more subtle and sometimes it's more obvious. The very first one is a question that each of us have to, have to think about. How available are we to the people that we're married to in terms of 
connection. And what I mean by available, the impact of technology is, is that it constantly is there to keep us busy, to beckon and call and interfere and interrupt. And I have, I have a, a, such a, a, a sad picture in my mind. A couple was describing to me recently the routine, I'm getting ready, they're in bed, and he's in his bed on his phone watching his thing. She's posting pictures on her phone, and they do that for 45 minutes, an hour, until one or both of them you know, fall asleep, um, right, either on their device or right after they shut their device off. And, and how available are we for one another? We're communicating with the whole world. Sometimes the person that's right next to us is the one who is, is, is ultimately neglected. I, I had a, a, a couple, this goes back uh, a year or two ago, and they, they, they weren't spending enough time with each other. They got along with each other, the hecticness of life, and they had small children. And I felt it was important for them to, to think about maybe getting away a little bit for a day where they have someone watch the kids and they go. And he told me the following thing. He said, I'm never doing it again. I said, what are you, never doing what again? Going away with my wife. I said, why? He said, the last time that happened, I couldn't take it. Here we are, we arrange, everyone, the kids are here, took juggling, and we get in the car, and for 45 minutes, my wife is sitting on WhatsApp or some other um, social media platform, and it's just finishing things up. And by the time we got there, I, I was just so wound up inside. I didn't want to say anything because we had this time. How available are we making ourselves for one another? Right? How many wives have complained? Um, he comes home, and then, yeah, for a few minutes, he says hello to this kid, to that kid. And then right away, he's on his phone answering this email, that email. Right? So just to be aware, sometimes it's as simple as literally taking our phone, and just putting it in a drawer when we get home, putting it away, plugging it in to charge or and, and, and being with the people that we're supposed to be with, you know, in that vicinity. Uh, there's this, uh, a beautiful explanation that Baal Shem Tov explains. It says, by Adam, right, that Adam Arishan was chased out of Gan Eden after the sin. It's a, it's a terrible tragedy. How was he chased out? So we think that physically he was removed. So the Baal Shem Tov says that if you look in the Targum, it says the Tarid Yas Adam. That Adam Marishan, in, in a certain on a certain level, was able to stay in Gan Eden. All God did was is He made him busy. He made him preoccupied. He made him distracted enough that therefore he lost paradise. He lost Gan Eden. Why? The Torah. All He did was had to make him just totally filled with all the worries and all the distractions, and not be in the place where He was actually supposed to be with the person he was supposed to be with and then you do that to a person that that's that's leaving paradise so it's just being able to literally come back into paradise what's paradise it's the person we're married to it's the children that we have so it's it's just being conscious of the level of distraction and lack of priority sometimes for the people that have to be really in truth the highest in our priority list.
Point number one, how available are we? Point number two, it's a little bit more subtle. Point number two is, is how distracted are we with the people that we're with, even when we don't have our actual technology? Our, our brains over the day and over the time that we have throughout the day, texting, emailing, responding, chatting, voice noting, what that does is it creates this FOMO that there's something going on that I'm missing perhaps right now by not being a part of it. So I, I barely am present, even if I do manage to have a phone in the drawer, but can I actually pay attention and listen to the words that are being told to me and focus? Can I actually see the person that I'm with? Can I actually say words to that person and, and not have this sense that I'm yearning to the time where I can now finally get back an hour later or two hours later, you know, I'm sitting and fidgeting and, and, and because I'm, I'm, I'm apart from all the action and all the activity. And to know, so this is point number two, that even when I'm not with the, 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 my device, my technology, to have that feeling that in Anikan, Hakol Khan, I'm here and the people who are here, then everything is here. And that feeling or that sense that I'm, I have to get back to all the noise that's going on. I ultimately, I'm not present, I'm not here. Like the, the um, answer, you know, uh, by the arcade of the first interaction, right? A father and a son had, Ovi, and the answer was, Hinein, I'm here. And to be able to be here with our husbands, to be here with our wives, versus that sense that, that I, I would like to, or need to, or want to, um, finally get back to all the action that I missed. Point number three. How comfortable am I being close to another person? What technology also does in a subtle way is it gives me this sense that I'm so close with people. I'm in touch with them all day, but it's paradoxically a close yet far experience. From my couch, I'm able to shoot off some text message uh, to someone else, I have this sense that I'm very close to that person, but being far. And therefore, when it comes to our intimate relationships, the people that we're not just shooting off a text message from our couch to their place far away, but we have the comfort of our distance, can we actually be close to the people that we're close with in close proximity? There's a vulnerability of actually being present, being able to look into the eye of another person without the protection of that distance, of me writing something and sending it, not having to look in their eyes. I remember I had a couple, uh, they, they told me when they would fight, he would go into uh, the, you know, the couch, on the couch downstairs in the living room, she'd be in the room and they'd be texting to one another because it was easier for them and to actually vulnerably have a conversation with one another, to see each other's faces and eyes to be in close proximity to one another. So we've become a people that feel so close and connected, but that's, what that's done is it's, it's sort of wired us and trained us 
that, yeah, we could be close from a distance, but can we be close from closeness, right? To be Makariv Krovim, to, to, to be close to the close um, people in our lives. That's the biggest challenge. So it says that uh, before a person gets married, right? The, the present that Hashem gives Chasen and Kala, bride and groom is, he gives them forgiveness before they get married. And one of the explanations is because intimacy, connection is so vulnerable and it brings up shame when I'm so close to another person. Am I worthy? Am I adequate? So God forgives each person to give them that sense of, of self-worth that yes, I can be close to another person, feel worthy of being loved by another person and stay close. So we have to visit this aspect in our lives also. Has technology made us people that are comfortable with being close to distance versus being close in a close way? The final point that I want to talk about in terms of these subtle effects are, am I accepting of who I am and who I'm married to? See, what, what technology has also done is it's made our lives and the lives of the people around us, whether we know them or not, public knowledge. So every vacation, every trip, every restaurant, every outfit uh, that's new or that I'm experiencing is posted. And what that does is it gives us this sense, this feeling that other people have it so happy, so good, so comfortable, so um, fortunate, so close, so lovely. It, 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 it gives this unrealistic um, view of the lives of other people who are uh, posing um, you know, and self-correcting their entire lives um, and editing, you know, and then posting them. And then we get this feeling, you know, who am I married to? Um, you know, does that person measure up? Or who am I? Do I measure up? And, and just to, to come back to our, to our own selves, to our own lives, um, and to be content um, and, and, and not distracted and, and, not, and not have this inflated sense of, of, of expectation or of a view of other people. That's, a, that's another insidious aspect of technology. So just to become aware, um, and there are many other points, I'm just bringing up a few of these, but to begin to be able to just be most available to the people that we need to. Um, number two, to be able to be present and not have that feeling of FOMO that there's something that I need to get back to, um, the comfortability of being close to those people that I'm closest with, and then not being distracted uh, by the by the smoke and mirrors of everyone else's life out there and compare either myself or my spouse unrealistically to, to what I'm seeing or what I'm um, being exposed to all the time. Now, I, I, wanna, I wanna bring up an added piece here, which is there are two sort of dangerous areas as well that, that are not as subtle um, that we need to be aware of, both ourselves, our spouses, and uh, a day hasn't gone by in the last uh, 10 or 15 years where um, I haven't unfortunately had to deal with the fallout of what I'm about to say. The number one, uh, the area of 
boundaries, boundaries that 15 or 20 years ago were so natural and so easy to define uh, between genders, between men and women, at work and social circles. You knew men sort of gravitated towards the men. There was a normal or every circle, you know, every social circle is a little different. I think each segment of the population is different. What standards are acceptable, fine. But it was easily defined with chatting and WhatsApp groups and um, all sorts of social media platforms. It has introduced, unfortunately, such a gray area, a slippery slope of interactions of um, direct messaging, people of the opposite gender, emojis. Where's that? Where where does that professionalism end, and where does that personal um, uh, start to? It, it starts to get very very blurry, and um, there's so much fallout and destruction and and heartbreak and heartache. So to be able to have a standard with ourselves, with our spouses, to know that the way I communicate. Uh, via text and via chat um, to have a standard where if my spouse saw and read what I am writing, would they be comfortable? Would they be comfortable? And to be able to keep that in mind, um, to have our technology also just available that if need be or if they want, our spouse can just always look at anything. Um, and to keep that as, as a um, ourselves in check, but to know that it's just so easy and so susceptible and so vulnerable to be able to cross over that line, especially with technology. And this crosses over, of course, to not just interactions, but to the whole world of inappropriate material. But that's become not just um, affordable because it's free, it's, it's so accessible and it's anonymous. Um, and, and that whole world has really creeped into our pockets. And um, what it's done to relationships, to trust, what it's done to intimacy has really, um, has been tragic. The, the people that themselves, unfortunately, fall into and view this, um, so not just from a religious standpoint, but what ends up happening is there's a distortion of what intimacy is, of what a physical relationship is that's healthy. It becomes one that's much more about objectification of the other gender, self-centeredness, very disconnected from another person. And what we're also seeing is it, it creates this unrealistic level of stimulation that then robs a person of the ability, and just in everyday life of intimacy, to be able to appreciate and connect and enjoy. Um, so all of that is the fallout for the one who ultimately ends up using, abusing, Sometimes it's on the level of addiction and um, it has to be treated and by someone who specializes in, um, in, in uh, compulsive and addictive behaviors. And the fallout and the, and the impact of spouses, of partners, is also um, tremendous and tragic. Uh, there's um, a lack of trust. There's a feeling of inadequacy. Um, then of self-blame somehow maybe I'm the cause of my spouse going to that stuff and there's just a lack of trust uh, in the other and a lack of respect and shame and, um, and just to be able to repair all of this so this is not news but just to be able to un at least appreciate the the tremendous responsibility that we have in our marriages 
Um, because I feel like whenever there's a challenge, and it's not just my feeling, but um, uh, great people uh, have written this, that whenever there's a challenge to a generation, there's also a tremendous opportunity and strength. And I've never seen a stronger yearning for more authentic and real connection from one person to another than in our generation. We don't want to just have practical marriages. We want to have deep and connected relationships. And the challenge of that is from the other side um, that yes, there's so many things that can throw that off. And we can sometimes miss uh, the people that are right next to us uh, in our busyness to connect to the rest of the world. And we just have to be conscious and aware of that. That we don't have to get rid of our phones and we don't have to stop necessarily doing what we're doing in terms of connection, but that it, it doesn't need to be, and it can't be at the cost of real deep rooted and authentic and rich and vulnerable connection to the people that are nearest and dearest to us, which is the people that we're um, blessed to be married to. Um, so I, I, Wanted to give this overview of the various areas, and, and I hope I gave a picture of that. And I want to see if there's any questions or comments on um, any other content. I'm glad to uh, answer any questions that have either been submitted or asked. Or everything was so clear. Okay. I don't know if there's chat, if anyone wants to post anything. Okay. No, I don't think any questions came in. Did you get any directly to you? I don't think so. No, no, no questions. Okay, we're good. Yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, it's an interesting thing. I'll, I'll also, um, you know, one of the common questions that people ask is, um, especially when it comes to technology, people always want to know, um, you know, how serious of an issue is this? I, 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 I bumped into something on my spouse's phone. Uh, it was something that was inappropriate. Um, he said he's never going to do it again. He apologized. It was something that, yeah, did come up and he looked at it. And um, I don't trust that. I'm not sure. You know, is this something that has to be looked at further? Is this, uh, should I just believe that? Is there something, um, you know, is this an addiction? Is it not? And, and that sometimes is a very difficult and complicated question to get to the bottom of. Um, and often a person who's struggling in this will be very defensive. And it's, what we see, you know, what I see is, um, almost always it's denied in terms, it's minimized and it's denied in terms of the frequency, in terms of the level of dependency and addiction. And um, it's, it's important that there's a real evaluation and that the problem is looked at um, in a very real and honest way. And um, yeah, it's not, it doesn't do anyone favors when we minimize and when we overlook and whitewash a problem that's really a problem that needs to be addressed and the other way around. Sometimes it's not such an issue and it's not uh, a mitzvah to magnify or to um, uh, blow up something that does not need uh, serious and intensive work. So it's just important to really get to the bottom of it. Sometimes 
even a spouse, calling a professional and calling someone whose expertise is in this area, it's important to tease out um, what we're dealing with. Um, and then I always tell spouses themselves also, it's so important for people to get support. So often when, when people make some sort of discovery or, or find out something, they have to keep it a secret because the, the people that they usually reach out to it's a shameful thing and it's not something that they're comfortable sharing with the usual uh, you know, friends and sisters or uh, parents. And, and, and it becomes a, a traumatic thing that ends up being very isolated. So I encourage people to find a person. Sometimes it's uh, a teacher, it's a, a Kala teacher, it's a Rebbitzin, it's, um, it's a professional, someone, but not to, not to go through it alone because it's a, it's a very, very very traumatizing and isolating experience that doesn't need to then be intensified by, by going through it in a very, very isolated way. So when people, again, if that's something that, uh, that, that, that comes up, I encourage people to find someone to at least start to, to, have, to have a resource and a support that shouldn't be something that they go through alone. Okay, so there were a few questions that came in. Yeah. How do we express or convince our loved ones the need for them to be just present? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so now we're talking about communication and we're talking about a general question, expressing our needs in a relationship. Um, so every, every marriage has different styles of, of, of how we're able to talk, but, but can, we, can we express our needs to our spouse about how important it is for us? Now, they have things that are very important to them, whatever they are. Um, and to put it into that context, hey, I know it's important for you when you're able to go out to your friend. To me, it, you might not understand it. It might be something that's, that's not your need, but just for me, it's an important thing that when we're talking, your phone is away. Whatever it is, you don't have to, you don't have, to have that same need that I have. I don't have the same needs that you have to be able to. So, you know, sometimes like putting it into that context helps another person say, okay, so it's not, you're right, you're right. It's not how I need things, but okay, I hear you. And, um, and, and to try to express that need in a, in, in a certain way. Now, does that mean that our spouse at this point is capable of being present even without, sometimes people are, are just themselves, their nature, their teva, is, it's very hard for them to be present, but we can definitely communicate it in a way that, that, um, that at least we're expressing it from, from our end, that it's a real genuine need and, and that it's a legitimate need, okay? Okay, is it possible for someone to get over a long-standing internet addiction on their own if they try, or is therapy always necessary? That's a great question. I, I love that question. And my answer is I've, I have yet to date heard of or met anyone, I have not, who has gone uh, through a long-term internet addiction and gotten over it on their own. I think that there are different ways of getting out of it with other people. There's a 12-step community that can uh, be of, of help. There's professionals. There's, um, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's different platforms. But it, it almost always needs another human being, another person. Because addiction is about secrecy and about shame and about isolation. And the, the, the cure, the remedy of it needs connection. It needs honesty. It needs disclosure. So alone is, 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 like, is continuing the, 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 so to speak, the, the disease um, uh, of it. So uh, again, 
I'll read Galachas on one foot, I would say, um, no. Will you find me one in a million? Perhaps, but I haven't met him. Okay. Another one came in. Can you please give some examples of how to put limits or guidelines on our phones? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, 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 I'm sure there's so many ways. I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you in my own life um, what I do. And, and those are examples. And then each person should come up with their own. I don't think anyone should, should you know, uh, be giving the guidelines for other people. I walk into my house and I, I put my phone in a drawer and I happen to have a plug in, in, in that drawer and my phone is just not on me. It's not in my pocket. And um, I, I'm able to, 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 I feel, just be a little bit more present with my children, with my wife, and my phone is there. When I'm done, an hour, an hour and a half later, do I go, I you know, want to see if anyone called or anything's important. You know, if, if, if someone needed to reach me, then I, I, I may, there may be an exception. But I'll put it there. Uh, another thing that I personally do is I don't bring my, have not to bring my phone into my room uh, when I go to sleep at night. So it's left downstairs. So when I'm in my room, ready to go to sleep, it's just not there. So it's creating like literally physical distance from technology that I could have it in my room on silent, on off. But it's just it's just out of sight a little bit. I I I I wish I can say out of mind, you know. But it's a it's a little bit more out of mind. And um, yeah, the uh, listen. The it's there's a great uh, I forgot the name of it. There's a documentary on Netflix. Um, the name will come to me maybe. Um, it was on it was on Silicon Valley. Um, all the uh, CEOs of Google and Facebook. And how they raise their kids and technology. Not one of them lets their kids have an Instagram um, or Facebook account. Um, they say, like, I, I would just never do that to my kid. I would never, we're not talking about religious people, we're not talking about Jewish people. I would never do that to them, just, just quality of life. Um, and, and we have a day that no one touches it. And by dinner, like, phones are not allowed in the room. You should hear them talking. They're like more strict than than you know than 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 some really Haredi neighborhoods, and the reason is because it literally just the quality of our relationships. Um, so those are a few examples, and what what your examples are, how it fits into your lifestyle, should should again be, be up to each and every person. But to to you know be creative and be real, um, that it, it makes a difference, and and the more we are connected to the world, the less present we're going to be to the people that we're closest with. Okay. okay. Any closing remarks? Uh, any oh, closing remarks? Another question just another came question. in. Sorry. Okay, question. sure. If someone thinks their spouse is getting distracted, can it be helpful to say something in the moment or usually makes it worse when the addiction is not a secret between them? In, when the addiction is not a secret between them, we're talking about uh, internet or pornography addiction. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure of the question. Okay, but let me, I'll answer it the best I can. I hope I'm answering that question. Um, yeah, is in the moment the best time to correct things? Um, I, 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 you know, it's, it's so hard. To, I think that relationships are, are I, I, there's an art, not just the science, um, are there certain times we all know relationships where it's just 
it's just not the right time to bring something up. Yeah, I'm right. Or yeah, I have a valid point. But like practically speaking, I'm just not going to get the message over. Like this person is just not in the receptive mode. And, and, and so I think your question touches a little bit on that. Uh, if someone's like there and I'm going to point something out, then am I just going to make them, I have to know my spouse. Are they going to be defensive and then just be like, okay, I'm just, what are you making me crazy? You're such a control freak. I'm not a big deal. But then maybe it's better, like at a, just a quieter conversation, like we, you say something like, hey, can we, can you give me like, you know, can we sit down and, and put our phones away? Then that's the right answer. Um, if it happens to be a time where the person can be receptive, it's like outcome thinking, you know, and we know the patterns of our, of our spouses and, our, and of how the interactions work. And we have to just say, hey, what, what would work best? And, um, and go with that. And sometimes we're, we're, we're quote unquote right but we're wrong with how we say it and when we say it, because to that person, it's just not going to fit. And, and in marriage, it's not, I mean, it's, there's no right and wrong. It's what works. It's what, what's going to work in this relationship at this time and, and what's going to have the best outcome. And that's what we always have to have in mind. Okay. I think we're going to close. If you want to add any closing remarks. No, my closing remarks, I really thank you for, um, for this, evening that's taking place on technology uh platform about technology <laughs> right, um, right. but um yeah you know the, the closing remarks is, is that we we should you know there was a book um i love the title it was called alone together and and like that that describes our generation and to be able to be together alone versus alone together and um, hopefully we're each able to take just a little bit um, uh, crumb or something from tonight's discussion and, and apply it to our lives and to be a little bit closer for a couple of minutes to the people that, um, that, that, we, that we chose to be close to. And then um, hopefully this whole night is, is just worth every minute of it. So I thank yes, you for, yes. the, uh, for the opportunity and it was an honor to be part of this program. I think it's just the awareness. Sometimes we're so caught up in it and we don't even realize that we should like stop and put it away. Your kids are growing up with this like constant, you know, parents are distracted constantly and like that awareness and that practical advice was really, um, really appreciated. Thank you so much for taking from your busy schedule joining us. I just want to thank everyone for joining us. And um, next Wednesday, it's the part three of our Shalom Bias series. I have Joshua Martyr, who will address the Shana Rishona, establishing a strong foundation. We hope you can join us. Same time, same place. And um, if anyone missed any of our event, our live events, you can always see recordings on our podcast at mikvah.org forward slash audio with easy links to all your podcast platforms. So once again, thank you. Have a good night. I hope to see you next week. We hope you enjoyed today's recording. Please take a moment to leave a rating or a review to help others find the podcast. We welcome you to support our vital work at mikvah.org forward slash donate. For feedback, please email podcast at mikvah.org. Have a wonderful day.